So welcome back to the Six Golf Roundtable. We have a special guest, Stephen Ball, the head greenskeeper at, is that the correct? Yeah, it's director of agronomy now. Director of agronomy. It was super That that sounded way better than what I said. (laughs) We're going to go with director of agronomy at Ballyhack. Stephen, welcome to the podcast, my man. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, We've been listening to a lot of them lately and we... We love listening. So sweet. Appreciate it, man. Well, for the people that don't know who you are, uh, could you just give us like a brief sort of, you know, who are you? What do you do? You know, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. So uh, just general rundown, you know, grew up playing golf, um, worked my way through different golf courses. I actually didn't get into the agronomy side until I was about 21, 22. I was actually working at Spring Creek Golf Club in Charlottesville shortly after they opened. And I got to know the superintendent. He convinced me to come work on the golf course, the actual golf course side of things and, you know, loved it. And from there made uh, a few moves pretty quickly. And now, uh, so went from there to the federal club to Kinlock um, and then started at Valley Hack when I was 28. So, you know, head superintendent came into that role um, at 28, about 45 days before we had the Virginia State Open. No staff. Um, they had a major staff turnover. And I was the only young, young enough guy that was crazy enough to take the job pretty much. And, um, you know, a lot of things have developed. We've built a really good team. Um and we've had a lot of fun in the process and uh, definitely a grind early on. And it's kind of worked its way into a really good spot to be. So I'm managing the, you know, entire golf course. We have more cottages going up. So basically the entire grounds, you know, managing. Um, but, you know, primary focus strictly being a golf club is, you know, the actual golf course. Do, uh, do Are you in charge of feeding the goats? So funny story. Originally, I was great question. By the way, originally I wasn't I had that one ready. I had that one ready. For those who don't know, and Stephen, you could tell them about the the goats there at uh, Ballyhack. So, uh, superintendent before me early on brought in a bunch of goats to help maintain the natural native areas, um, and he was really really into it. And you know, it's kind of his thing. Um, you know, so. You know, he did a great job in the early years, but he got really into managing the goats. The fleet got up to about 40 um, at one point. And, um, you know, when I came in, they said, you know, the old superintendent took the goats, but we're going to bring goats back. So we bought some goats from them and I was responsible for them on top of, you know, getting ready for a Virginia State Open and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, so I realized pretty early on that one, I didn't necessarily really want to take care of the goats Two, I wasn't very good at it. You know, they were missing some shots and they just, (laughs) I was focused a little bit more on the golf course. So what we ended up doing is I found this Virginia goat page and we were having trouble hiring at the time, but I posted on that page and I had about 15, 20 responses within like two hours. So we filled, we filled basically a role for somebody to take care of the goats. You know, she's there about eight to 10 hours a week, uh, feeds them, can give them their shots, you know, get them out of the pen, get them back in the pen type of deal. Um, so, you know, technically I'm responsible, but, you know, we hired somebody. Um, so now I manage somebody taking care of the goats and it's, uh, it's worked out. That's, right. that's incredible. And they're African boer goats. Is that how you yeah. say it? They're not your average, like, I mean, they're intense, really cool looking goats. They're not just your average little farm goat. My question is, do they, do they, are they effective? Do they work? Um, (laughs) Do they they mow? How, like, there's so much fescue there as I'm thinking, like how, how could 40 goats tackle the 
It's, it's a little complicated. So if you spend time putting a fence up and keep them in certain areas you want them to be in, they can be very effective. Okay. If you just kind of let them roam. They walk through bunkers. They poop on the that's ground. What, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, it's like, I feel like they just roam, right? Like, I don't, I've never seen them like caged up. <laughs> but um, no, nah, they, they can do some good work, but uh you know, keeping them out of, you know, we actually put these planners at all the cottages, like these nice planners. We wanted to make cottages feel more homey. So, you know, the first thing to go is go for, they start tearing out every (laughs) planner, you know, so no, they're, uh, they're effective. You need to get them in the right spots. You know, the members love them. People love seeing them. Um, We've actually had a little bit of a tough time because we're building more cottages right next to goat pens. So trying to keep them safe during that process has been a little bit of a challenge. We actually built them a new goat pen. So they have this gorgeous new goat pen, like right. The entryway is new, right. As you're driving in, you have this fantastic goat pen. We're actually haven't really had them in there much. We're actually growing the grass in, so they have something to eat while they're in there. But um, that's good because I remember them it being super close. I stayed in the cottages once, and uh, they were only maybe fifty yards from my front door um, at the at the old goat pen. So yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad y'all got them a new pen. Yeah, they're uh, they're set up pretty well going forward. So and I love the uh, everybody loves a good golf course rebrand. The Ballyhack logo originally was kind of a 90s early 2000s looking logo of like an outline of the mountains but now um it's actually a goat sort of looks like it's standing on top of roanoke where valley hack is so um, i think that's pretty cool too a little homage to the goats i'm just yeah. really happy that the first seven minutes of this podcast were talk was used to talk that's what i'm excited about so, so we, the logo has been really popular, but you have the hats with like the four or three letters on it. So we have, we have hats that say goat and we have hats that say hack. So those, those two have awesome. been really, really big sellers. So the uh, marketing is pretty solid between the new logo. And, yeah. And then you yeah. got the, I could see you're rocking the dormy network hat. Valley uh, hacks, part of a six club network, the dormy network, which uh, got its name from dormy club down in Pinehurst. And, so you got that logo as well. So that's a pretty good triple threat. Yeah, absolutely. So we, uh, now it's a good setup we have going on. Um, you know, a lot of action from, uh, you know, people that are closer to the other clubs and, you know, the whole network's kind of evolved since I've been there. Um, I've actually had the same ownership since we've been there, but Dormy Network did not come about. We were actually their second club and it was kind of a pipe dream, uh, per se, you know, when I started and, you know, they bought another club in San Antonio. And then I think Dormy club was their fourth. And really once they had fours, when that uh, really got rocking and rolling and, you know, continuing to grow since then. So had a lot of good opportunities being involved with the network. I've had a chance to travel to, you know, some other clubs help out in times of need at other clubs. Um, you know, at the time we did a corn ferry event, um, in San Antonio, we did that one year, went down and helped with that, helped with the prep for that too. Um, and actually made it up to uh, Hidden Creek, kind of played interim superintendent up there for about two and a half weeks. And my uh, lead assistant kind of managed things at Valley Hack. So it was, you know, kind of had, had some opportunities you don't typically get to have, you know, being part of the network, um, seeing some different parts of the country and stuff and, you know, being a part of growing grass in different parts of the country. So that's been, been a positive. Has that been a, was that a challenge for you? Cause uh, we were, the courses you listed have all been bank grass. The ones you worked at full time, correct? Yes. What's that like for you as a superintendent to have to go and work with other grass? Is it pretty easy to go back and forth or is there a learning curve with different grasses? Definitely a learning curve. Um, you know, I think manage it's tougher to go from warm season grass to bent grass in Virginia or, you know, somewhere that's, you know, warm in the summers, you know, managing zoysia grass in Texas, you know, you're pretty much focused on weeds and a couple of diseases. Uh, you get the full gamut of challenges in Virginia. So overall, you know, from a, um, you know, fairway rough grass standpoint, you know, learned a lot of stuff about managing warm season, uh, being in Texas for a little while. 
Uh, they actually had bent grass greens till they converted this summer. So in San Antonio. So, wow. Yeah, they would um, kind of struggle every summer, but then every winter you'd have a really good growing season. But they finally decided that it was time to make the decision to transfer. Um, and of course, it was the hottest summer they've had in like 20 years down there. It's a perfect year to convert to Bermuda grass. So, but actually Atlantic City, the climate was was similar. That's Hidden Creek um, that's up there. Uh, ben Grass Fairways, Tees Greens. Um, when I was up there, it was very similar to what the type of weather we we're seeing in Roanoke. So, um, yeah, I think, oh, oh, you want to go? Good. Um, so for everybody that's listening to the podcast that has not played Ballyhack, could you just give us like in two <laughs> sentences, maybe 50 words or something, what the fuck is that place? Literally, <laughs> it is like it is one of the craziest places in the world, I think. So, you know, it's I'll say it's wild, it's fun, it's unfair at times. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you know, it's um you know, I've listened to a lot of the podcasts. So like Meredith and I are listening, you know, are talking about ballet hacking. Like, <laughs> like, are you offended? And I'm like, no, nah, I, I get it a lot. It's like yeah. It's kind of the place you love or you hate, but what I will say is once you've played it about five or six times, it continues to grow on you. It definitely takes some, uh, some times around to learn where not to hit it. Um, but, you know, I think it is a lot of fun. I think a couple of y'all touched base on like a two man event is more enjoyable than like, you know, Virginia state open, for example, where, you know, you get a couple bad, uh, bad breaks and be, pretty frustrating that's exactly right i said you know it's somewhere i'd love to go play with my buddies on a saturday afternoon but playing an individual competition there gives me a little bit of heartburn but that's hey i mean that's part of the game and it's a, certainly a great test and had some awesome state opens there for what seven or seven or eight years yeah i think mentally like it's very challenging because you need to get over those bad breaks and keep on rolling because they're gonna happen oh yeah um so, um, I think, you know, depending on how many of them you get, um, you know, there's so many holes too. You just can't miss it in certain areas. Um, you know, we didn't really push green speeds super fast for that event. VSGA didn't want us to, but you know, it get, it can get pretty ridiculous when those greens get fast. Speaking uh, of the greens the like the undulations just in my, like, I don't know if this is just an exaggeration in my head. It's, I haven't been there in a while, but. It, some of those greens I would think are hard to mow, right? Do you have problem spots where like you can only mow them in a certain direction? Otherwise you, you just tip over if you go the wrong way. Not really. The new the mowers that are out these days are so good. I mean, we just walk mow them. Yeah. And we see a little bit of scalping on some edges and, and such, um, but nothing too, too dramatic. Um, the, the fairways, some areas of the fairways, airifying and, you know, the, just general mowing are pretty ridiculous. Like we have, you know, some sprayers that have slid down some hills. And, I'm imagining you guys with like that, like the walking lawnmower on the strings on the greens, just, just <laughs> sending it down and pulling it back up. But obviously it's not that bad. Like just yeah. trying, trying to mow the 11th fairway has to be the biggest pain in the ass of all time with that slope. I mean, it, it has to be. 11's tough. Um, Honestly, the toughest part on the golf course doesn't come into play. That like big bunker you see on five when you're coming over the road. You see number mm. five when you cross the road. There's the big bunker yeah. out of play, and then just bent grass surrounding it. That hill there is extremely steep and um, doesn't always, you know, support equipment very well. Fair enough. If there was one place on the golf course or one thing, like one attribute of the golf course you could change, what would it be? So I would say I want more pin locations. Uh, if, if I can say more pin locations on certain greens, mm. um, we're very limited on, you know, three, 14 um, of how, you know, of, you know, three, there's basically three pin locations. If they're like 10, there's five. Um, so it, it becomes challenging when we're busy to, you know, really move traffic around. Um, so that's great point. 
That's what I would say. I mean, I, I personally would like to see a few more flats on those greens. Um, like three, for example, if we could have a front left pin and then that like top right, like front right pin mm. was a little bit more level, it would give us a little bit more variety. Um, that's, that's what I think I would go with. I say just chuck it in the bowl every day and let everybody make a hole in one. <laughs> just be nice. Just be nice to the people. Just give them, give them an opportunity. I get so many requests to put it in the bowl. I'm like, I'll get, I'll get a text or an email. You know, it's it's very frequent. I'm like, it's already in the bowl. I was like, like the boys are coming to town. Send that thing in the bowl. I'm so I love it. Oh, come on. And that bowl stays like pretty wet with how low it sits. So if we're in like a wet stretch, it just gets spike marked and, you know, so on and so forth. But I'd like to have a couple more pins on that green. Um, are you picking the pins every day? Yeah, we use a really good software, so um, we can actually adjust the stint meter, uh, you know, approximate stint meter reading, and then it'll spit out pins. But then I go through everything because sometimes it um, kind of spits out some that aren't fantastic, even with, you know, stint readings. So, you know, yes, personally, you know, I typically pick the pins every single day, um, you know, adjust according to speed. Um, depends on, sometimes it depends a little bit on how many rounds we're doing too. Like we'll go kind of easier if we know we're busy, we try to get guys through. Fair enough. Um, with the, uh, state open moving to independence and uh, yeah, away from Valley hack, like what is y'all's tournament schedule looking like in the next few years? So we are pretty focused on, you know, providing cottage experience and like we do a lot of, you know, 20, 30 person events, you know, groups bringing it, you know, similar to what the good, you know, what the goat is that we had at Valley Hack for a few years, a lot of events like that, except for most of the golfers aren't as good as that event. Um, but we do a lot of stuff like that. So we're kind of limited to like, you know, member guest is, you know, our biggest event, you know, we're not necessarily opposed to doing events um, going forward, but, you know, with the cottage focus, we're really just trying to, hone in on you know operating and so on and sure. so forth stay in play a lot of stay in play stuff yeah a lot of a lot of members stay in play stuff so well I'd, I'd be remiss if i didn't uh compliment you on just what a fantastic job you've done i know we're having you on here and I, I, part of it was i just wanted to find out a little bit more about how much you've accomplished in your you know short time how old were you were you when you got hired at Valley Hat or for the head for the head job? I was 28, 28. That, that's pretty incredible. And, you know, Trey touched on you worked at uh, Spring Creek Federal Club, Kinlock, all uniquely bent fairway facilities in uh, in central Virginia. Um, how much of that experience do you take? Did you take with you to Valley Hack? And um, I think we'd all be interested to hear a little bit about what some of the challenges are of maintaining bent grass in this hot um, Virginia summers. Yeah. So I actually think I had about the perfect setup to come to Valley hack and be successful. You know, I was at spring Creek, you know, they had money when they opened and then economy crashed, the golf course built around houses. Um, you know, so they continue to do a really good job, but it was on a very tight budget. Um, the federal club was a similar boat, you know, they opened, they were spending tons of money and then, you know, the golf course is tied to housing and opened in, you know, 2008, you know, 2007, that time frame. So that early experience, I think gave me a lot of good stuff going into Bally hack, you know, being resourceful, being at Kinlock gave me that really, really high end experience of, you know, what we can make this place. So I think the balance, you know, the three set me up really, really well. Um, you know, coming into Ballyhack, it was, you know, hey, you know, these new owners, they want to develop this national brand by other clubs, you know, you know, they have tons of money, they're going to invest. You hear that with just about every job that somebody's promoting to you. Um, so, you know, definitely did my research and all that. But, you know, coming in, we didn't have a maintenance building. All the equipment was, you know, from 2009. And this is 2000, was this 2017 at the time? Um, you know, not the best situation coming in, but just, you know, you know, some of the other experience, like the federal club when I was there, 
right when I left to go to Kinlock, just finished a maintenance building. So I'm like, oh, I've done this before, you know. Um, so, but over the last couple of years, you know, we've really been able to continue to push, you know, the cultivation of the fairways, you know, we're deep tining, we're soft, we're coring, we're top dressing, we're verticutting heavy. Like we're really pushing thing to pushing things to completely another level. And I think, you know, my time at Kenlock really, you know, helped me understand, you know, how good something can be. Um, I've been asked this question before and, you know, kind of the gold standard for me is like Kinlock member guest, you know, middle of May, 55 degree morning, 70 degree, 75 degree days, greens just, you know, cooking. And, you know, until we reach, you know, just that perfection, that's always, you know, kind of what we strive for, you know, granted, I can't get the greens as fast at Valley Hack as we did at Kinlock, which makes my job easier. Um, but, you know, I definitely have taken things from all clubs and, you know, it's been, you know, all of them have helped me, you know, move forward, you know, at a, at a young age. Um, I worked, makes, yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You, you saw how to, how to do it when, when times are lean and how to do it when you have the budget you need. Yeah, absolutely. So, so as a good golfer who's played, you know, golf his whole life, um, like firm and fast is kind of like, that's what you want. You want firm and fast greens. You want firm and fast, like turf. So like, I, I kind of want to know, cause I, I am a big bitcher when like I get to a golf course or my home golf course when like it's soft and like wet and like slow. Like I hate yeah. that. I'm like, I, I always get mad, but like, so what is that for like, for you guys? Like, is it like really based on how much rain, like the time of year, how hot it is? Like, like are you able to have it firm and fast all year or is that just like not, is that a pipe dream? It's a pipe dream. Um, it's so weather dependent. Um, we, we push firm and fast, you know, bent grass during the summer, far from, you know, cultivations when it, you know, summertime, July, August, bent grass gets puffy. It's like, even when you dry it out, you know, it's just not as strong as it is in spring. So I think bent grass fairways, Spring and fall, it's pretty reasonable. Summer, it's reasonable, but to a limit because bent grass, when you push it past the limit, doesn't come back. Guys, um, you know, you know what you see on TV. You know, this last weekend for you know the USAM and you know the uh, BMW. You know, they're hosting a you know PJ Tour event. They're hosting a you know amateur. It's like they're going to lose a little bit of grass. We like to keep things on the head, and we want it to play firm. But at the same time, you know, summertime, we have to, you know, dead grass is not firm when it gets wet. So we got to make sure we keep it, you know, keep things alive. So it is a, it's definitely a balance. Um, I think we did really well, you know, for Virginia State Open. We were fortunate not to get rain and be able to push, you know, the fairways pretty, pretty far for that and never really lost anything. Um, you know, we'd like to keep it firm, but, you know, spring and fall, you can get it you know, rock hard summers, summers within reason, especially when you have golf carts, you know, a lot of times what we'll see is we'll have areas that are purple and they're wilty. The only areas they get really dinged up are the areas that golf carts drive through that are purple and wilty. Um, so, you know, it's, you know, firm and fast is the goal. Um, but it's definitely within reason for day to day play. Gotcha. Nice. I got one. I, I want to go back to your start in the business. You said you, you worked like you work in the golf shop and you made the switch to the agronomy team. Did you just learn everything you know now on the job or did you go study um, turf grass somewhere? Yeah. So the backstory of that, um, you know, played high school golf, played, you know, played in some tournaments. The, I was about a four handicap was the best I got. And then I steadily declined. Like my senior year of high school golf was my worst year. So, you know, coming out of high school, I was thinking about going like PGM route. Um, so I got into Coastal Carolina for that. Decided to go to JMU completely unrelated. Uh, was going to do business. And then I that changed past there. Um, so I was working at Spring Creek. I ended up being, you know, sport and recreation management. And I was working at Spring Creek. They needed an intern. I needed to do an internship. I knew the superintendent. He's like, come on, let's let's do it. Um, and absolutely loved it. 
Um, so it spent one year actually on the golf course, but was three years, you know, cart services, you know, in the, in the pro shop a little bit, uh, absolutely loved being on the golf course. You know, there's always stuff going on, love being, you know, seeing sunrises, you know, seeing, seeing stuff in action. Uh, didn't know what I was doing, but I was willing to work hard and learn and I knew golf. So that helped a lot. Um, so while we were doing that, we actually were hosting like e-golf tour events and I got to know those guys. And in my head, I'm like, I kind of want to do tournament management. So my original plan after Spring Creek was I was going to go do another internship with the e-golf tour, um, doing tournament ops. And they actually couldn't, they, you know, I didn't need to be paid. I just needed expenses paid. And they were kind of at, you know, breaking point, you know, the mini tour stuff's pretty, pretty tight. You're trying to pay. You probably got the fall of the e-golf tour, didn't you? That's what I thought <laughs> you were going to say. Like, and the e-golf tour didn't exist anymore that next yeah. year. So then, you know, I had to do something else. I actually had to do two types of internships. And, you know, luckily that they let me do it in golf course maintenance was close enough. Um, so Brian, who was at Spring Creek, who was the superintendent at the time, like, go work for my buddy, Trevor at the federal club. So, you know, this is the last thing I have to do before I graduate from JMU. So I'm like, you know, my first thing fell through, you know, I'm going to go do it. Um, and so I start and, you know, still don't know very much right when I'm supposed to start, they're supposed to hire a second assistant. The guy, the guy just no shows. So so Trevor tells me, he's like, come in, do a great job, uh, work hard, you know, get good at like the core stuff you need to be doing, hand watering, spraying, so on and so forth. The job's yours, but this is your trial for the summer. So I basically walked in like not that much experience and, you know, left that summer being, you know, second assistant at the federal club. Uh, you know, took a lot of work, um, knew golf really well. And like, I felt like I was pretty good at managing people um and managing a team for how young I was um so from that standpoint was there a couple years went to Penn State uh actually all online Penn State master's degree in turf um did that while I worked at Kenlock which was fantastic because I was around we had you know five assistants while I was there all had turf backgrounds I could kick stuff off of them um, you know, fantastic to, you know, learn from, you know, the other guys I was with just really good environment to go through that. Most of it was on the job, but I do have the background from Penn state. Very cool. Yeah. I was curious. Cause I feel like almost every head super these days has some sort of uh turf crash degree, but that seems like kind of the best of both worlds for you getting the real world first and then just doing the books afterwards. It seems like the way to do it. Yeah, no, it worked it worked out well, and I was in the right spot to uh, learn a lot. So, really cool. Well, I, I Dusty's listening, but he can't like see. So, I just want to give Dusty the floor to ask some questions because I know he's just sitting in his car trying to speak. So, Dusty, <laughs> no, I, I like I I think, and we we got to shout out our guy Brian Benzel there at Spring Creek. Steven, uh, were you, you were Louisa County Lions, right? Is that no, I, was, I, was, I was actually a Fluvanna Fluco. Oh, you were a Fluco. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's right. Yeah. No, we played, I played high school golf against Steven. So we know each other well. And the super there at Spring Creek, Brian Mansell, great guy. And I'm sure, I'm sure he helped you feel like, Hey, this is cool. I can do this. And um, that's, that's such a good, good person to be around to like get into grass growing um so anyway my i'm just curious like all right me rosie trey and tom are pretty good golfers and like what's something that we don't know or something that we'd be surprised at that like you do or it's kind of a day-to-day or maybe it's even once a year just like something that would surprise me like hey i've been around golf all my life i've played a ton of golf like what's something that you do or have have problems with that like a good player wouldn't necessarily know. Um, you know, I don't know that this directly answers the question, but I think one thing, you know, a lot of good golfers, mediocre golfers don't understand is just how much maintenance goes into maintaining bunkers, you know, maintaining bunkers at a moderate level or a tournament level, you know, you go to, the masters. I mean, there's more people putting effort into bunkers than, you know, greens, you know, for most of these events. 
And I almost think it's a little backwards. I think, you know, I actually really like, you know, watching uh, PGA at Southern Hills where the sand was not what, you know, the pros were calling perfect. Like they were getting upset with the way the balls were responding. Um, You know, I think, you know, a lot of people don't understand, you know, some of those details, um, you know, how much effort is going into some areas that are really hard to actually maintain at a, you know, great level. I mean, Kinlock, you know, we would always, you know, know the golf course was really good when people were complaining about bunkers. Um, You know, those bunkers were really good too, but um, I don't know if that really answers the question. Oh, yeah, no, that's 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 interesting. You say that. Sorry, sorry, Rosie, but just oh no, like, you're good. I was I was from my from my caddy experience on tour. It felt like so much of the time, especially off the tees and stuff, we'd say, "Get in the bunker, get in the bunker." You know, we wanted that ball to get in the bunker because you knew if you got in a decent flat spot, you were going to get a really good lie, and you know, you give those guys a flat lie basically off a of fairway. I mean. Some bunk, you know, you get fluffier sand here or there, but you're, you're so right. Like, especially on tour, I mean, week to week, the bunkers were almost the end. And there's a reason those guys are so good out of the bunkers. Uh, so that that's that's interesting to hear. Yeah, I read something recently that said at certain courses, it can be up to an equal amount of your resources your time and your money can go into bunkers as goes into greens which is shocking if you think about it you would think greens would take way more time and effort and money um so i think that's uh that's really fascinating and you're starting to see i've noticed uh reading some of this trace probably seen some of this too in his architecture studies but um architects in in an effort to be more sustainable and more cognizant of the challenges that superintendents face are are going to a design with less bunkers these days you saw uh the reese jones and pete Dye eras of the 80s and 90s where they're building hundreds of bunkers on a golf course you're not seeing that anymore there's a little bit more of a minimalist effort to be more sustainable there with less bunkering sure and what i was going to add to that would be like that a lot of people don't realize that conditioning in golf is i feel like it's a very very new modern part of the game like 50 years ago bunkers were just it was never expected to get a good line of bunker and now that people have become so you know it, now that that's become such a more of a broad thing across all levels of golf you're just expected to have perfect sand everywhere like it's it's a hazard it's, suppo- it's supposed it's to be so a hazard yeah. <laughs> but now it's to the point where it's just it's almost for looks more than it is for function golf and what rosie was just saying with that 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 distract big huge distracting bunkers are hopefully um a, a thing of the past because they, they, they really take away from what the actual hole is sometimes too. Yeah. And, and just to add to that, I really appreciate a lot of the courses with the waste bunkers yeah. that are more of a natural sand and you're not supposed to rake it and you there, they can be as long as you want. And I, Steven, you can probably speak to that a little bit, but Hey, maybe you run the rake through there two or three times a week, but you're not super worried about the faces or, or that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, are you more talking about like a Pinehurst number two kind of bunker where it's just kind of fescue? Exactly. Like- yeah. 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 Um, uh, is there an opportunity, Stephen, particularly at a place like Valley hack? I can't really picture. I mean, the design features and the shaping of the bunkers probably prevent you from doing something like that. Or is there an opportunity at your golf course to where you could convert some bunkers into more of a waste bunker type situation? Yeah, so we we manage the fairway bunkers different than the greenside bunkers. So the greenside bunkers are getting raked fairly regularly, really dependent on weather. But, you know, we try to keep them, you know, where you've actually gone to not really touching the faces other than like once every two weeks, try to keep those firm and then rake the bottoms, which is pretty good from a maintenance standpoint. But fairway bunkers, we really just smooth out the footprints. Because, um, I mean, who, you know, we talk about, you know, making them difficult, but from a maintenance standpoint, it's like, who doesn't like a firm fairway bunker from, you know, a hundred mm-hmm. yards. I mean, nobody, nobody doesn't like that. Everybody loves those. Yeah. Yes. So, so it's like, why put the effort into raking them, just touch up the footprints, you know, and go. Um, but we can get, we get away with that. Our bunkers look fine. Not, you know, not overly maintained. So 
All what right. type of what type of sand do you have at Bally Hat? Because it is a coarser, darker look than maybe that. Uh, you know, it fits in really well with the rugged aesthetic of Bally Hack versus like a pristine white sand. It's a little bit more yeah, of a I'm coarse, here, dark yeah. sand. Yeah, it switched. We switched sands. Uh, we did a bunker renovation in 2020, so probably had one or two state opens when we switched the green side bunkers. But we went with a very similar color, but it. It kind of, it was a little bit firmer, like the old sand you could barely walk through, you know, and um, the sand we switched to is a little firmer. It's a river sand out of um, South Carolina, like four or five hours south of, you know, us is where it came from. But it had that dark clay color to it and it really fit the property well. Does it happen to be sold to you by a last guy, last, guy with the last name Nimmer? I don't, I don't think so. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. Um, I do, I do have a question and I, uh, I don't really know how this is going to come out. I hope it comes out well, but so whenever, I don't know, like whenever I play in like golf tournaments, like, and it's set up really, really difficult. Like there's always like kind of that, like running joke, like, Oh, the superintendent like didn't get laid last night. He like got in <laughs> and just wanted like everybody to like shoot bad scores. How like real is that? Like, do you just wake up some days? You're like, Fuck everybody. Everyone's <laughs> 80 today. I'm going to put the pins in like some ridiculous spots. Like, does that happen? So for, you know, tournament golf, so Virginia State Open, we don't pick the pins, you know, Josh oh. Gibbs and whoever else, uh, whoever else was doing it at the time, they would pick the pins. So most of the time when you have a tournament set up, whoever's doing that actually picks the pins. But I get that a lot. And, you know, I'll get, you know. I think it's a fair question. I don't, you know, normally I make them days in advance. Okay. So, you know, sometimes we'll adjust them, but you know, there's greens at Valley hack. I'll get complaints about like the front left pin on four. I'm like, that's the easiest pin on the green. I'm like, I put it anywhere else. You, you know, <laughs> they'll be saying worse things. Right. Um, so yeah, it's probably a damned if you do damned, if you don't, a lot of times, you know, people find a reason to complain if they don't hit the right shot in. I will say though, sometimes, you know, you know, you're kind of adjusting pins depending on the speed and weather conditions. And sometimes, you know, humidity will drop, wind will pick up, and they might end up a foot faster than you're expecting. And I have in at times been like, oh, I thought that pin was going to be a little bit better than, you know, it was. And it was. Um, but, but never because you're angry or upset. You don't let that. Yeah. Back to him. <laughs> no, no. I mean, the grumpy old super who heard who I mean, heard the members. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to hear people complain about the pins more. Like, <laughs> <be> happier. <laughs> like that, like, people not enjoying golf. Not make me yeah, laugh. you're you're going for interesting, not necessarily the most difficult. Okay, so find. so the, my, my I mean, I, I'm sure everybody else has got more questions, but my last big question is. So, I mean, you set up pins, you know, for your members, you know, every, every week, every day, Um, like what, what's the difference between like going down to San Antonio and like helping set up for like a, you know, an actual like professional event to just like setting the pins for the guys on the Sunday afternoon? I think, um, you know, an actual event, I think there's more readings taking place. You go to a corn fair event, you know, PJ tour event, you know, they're stimping every green and they're taking firmness readings and that's going into it. Um, you know, where typical day to day is a little bit more feel like, honestly, I don't stimp the greens at Valley Hag very often because there's like three spots in the entire golf course that actually <laughs> can get a decent stimp reading. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's so funny because it's that funny. It's just so many. It's like there's no flat spots. There's no flat places on that golf course. So I keep a putter. I keep a putter in my cart, and you know, we honestly, you know, day to day, it kind of rotates. Like you can see where all the last pins have been. It's not like we're going to like this brand new area. Like it kind of is in like somewhat of a rotation. And you know, the pin software that we have, you know, it's got depth. It's got you know your distance from left to right. And it doesn't allow you to put pins in areas that are like bad. Um, so the only thing that does happen, you know, I set up the pin sheets, but if you have somebody not pacing it off from like 150, you know, middle of the fairway, you know, complete accurate with, you know, accurate steps, it can actually get off by a little bit. 
where like PGA tour event, you know, you're going to have somebody, you know, always have somebody that's super qualified. Well, plus they're getting dotted the day before. So the tournament staff's actually doing that. So like 20, you know, 22 and five for, PGA tour events going to be 100% accurate where, you know, 22 and five from the left on, you know, Wednesday at, you know, wherever might not be 100% accurate. Gotcha. Gotcha. Fair enough. Yeah. I would say, you know, the biggest difference is the pins are typically getting dotted and it isn't, it, you know, you're ensuring that it's going exactly where it's supposed to be where like a day to day golf course is not, you know, going out somebody's not dotting those pins every day so it could get you know arguably off by i've got one more for you that kind of goes off of tom's so i've heard that before like head supers will go and like work the president's cup or work something like work a you know event and there'll be a whole bunch of head supers that come there and are all working on the staff what is that like when you have a whole all these guys that are used to being the boss that are all now working like a, a job they might not have done in a while like what were you doing there for that event? Is it based more? Is it the second part of my question? So for that event, I was managing moisture. Um, so I was managing moisture levels in the green. So nice. you know uh, the you know typical purple moisture meters you see these days, and then just helping set up in the mornings and evenings and trying to keep them firm. And you know we were we were helping take some of the readings, uh, stamp readings, and some of the firmness readings. Um, so, you know, doing that, but, you know, done a few other events. Um, and honestly, most of those events are, it's like most of the head supers are all buddies with whoever's hosting the event. They're somewhere, you know, in their careers, they've crossed paths and then they have their assistants or interns, you know, going to help. It's actually really incredible. The workforce going towards, you know, PGA events, you know, it's, pretty common to have like hundred people work in the tournament. It's basically everything's mowed out by the time it's left. I was going to say, you're not like getting stuck on a mower. You're like, damn, I wouldn't even come up here if I was just going to be on, on fairway mowing duty the whole week. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I actually double cut tees at quail hollow for the Wells Fargo one year, every morning and every evening. Like nice. I don't know why they were double cutting tees every <laughs> morning. And every, like they just had too many people. Um, <laughs> So you do, they didn't want stripes. So you you walk them down a pass and you walk them back a pass. So you do that in the morning and you do the same thing in the evening and you mow every, you know, it's tournaments. So they're playing like tees, but you still mow every single box. Mm. So some, you know, some of them have, you know, just unbelievable amount of resource for the events, you know, the condition that you see on TV, you know, it's, there's a lot of resource, a lot of preparation, you know, there's years of prep going into those events with cultivations and, you know, what they're doing with cultivations to get the greens firm for an event, you know, that's starting years out. Um, gotcha. Gotcha. You guys have anything else? Do you have a, do you have a, do you have a dog out there with you? So I, we have two dogs. We have serious questions. We have, we have Palmer. Uh, she's actually named after Arnold Palmer. She's uh, just, she's about to turn three. So uh -huh. she originally came to me to the golf course and then Meredith was teaching and was out for COVID and just kind of swallowed her up. And now she doesn't want to go with me. Oh no. <laughs> but we have a second one now, uh, Ella, and she just turned one and she's an absolute maniac. Like I can, <laughs> she can run all over the golf course. She just can't. She was, she's still a puppy and jumping over people and stuff. But yeah, we have uh, two great. dogs both have spent time on the golf course. Um, I know uh, golf golf courses often utilize the dogs to sort of chase off geese and stuff like that. Does Ella have a job out there, or is she just a companion for you? She's just a companion. Um, we, that's a that's a, that's a job. That's a job in and of itself. Yeah, keep me sane and. Keep me happy. <laughs> That's great. Um, before I go, uh, I just want to ask. So I, a little birdie told me that the year that maybe it was the first year that Ballyhack had the state open, maybe it was the second year. It was the first year that you guys had Stracaline come and do the greens. <clears throat> and somebody gave somebody else <laughs> a, a book that was unavailable to everybody else in the field, but somebody had those greens charted. Can we talk a little bit about that? <laughs> Did he yeah, end up winning? I, I passed that along. I think it was on a yard oh. somewhere, but 
Ah, huh, huh, huh. Okay, there's a little collusion there. I think <laughs> you were you were a, you were a teammate of the of the conspirator. You didn't get the the triple. He didn't give it to fucking me though. I didn't get it. You guys didn't make copies. <laughs> no, it was he just held it all to himself. And for everybody that's listening, we're talking about Mark Lawrence. And there was a, a secret. It was, uh, it was Stephen's brother-in-law. Correct. There was yeah. there was a secret yardage book or a greenskeeper book that was given to Mark and nobody else. Former state <laughs> open. Did he win multi? Did he He's win? Yeah, he won one. one. Yeah. He won one. No, he, he won, won one at Valley High for sure. Right before you guys got married, right? So he he won the last year that we had it. Yeah. So the so year before he lost in the playoff. Yeah. And like he was basically he played terrible the first day and then shot two amazing rounds. Yeah. And I was actually playing oh, sorry, I gotta I gotta interrupt. I was playing with him that year. So the first year, um, we were paired together first and second round. He shot 75 day one. I shot 74. I'm like, okay, I didn't play great, but I clipped Mark Lawrence by one. Next day he puts up 63 and your boy comes in with 76. <laughs> Boy, okay. <laughs> so and that 63 was one of the best ball striking rounds I've ever seen because I think he was only like one under through eight, and then just I don't think he missed the flag after that for the last 10 holes. That was pretty fun to watch. Yeah, so that that year that he lost, I think it's the same year. Yeah, um, Mon- and then Monahue ended up Jack yeah. Monahue beat him Who's, in the uh, playoffs. Dusty's captain, probably. That's right, he's a captain this year. I saw him not too long ago. I, lo- I love that kid. Yeah, he's a good dude. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so that year, so I, you know, Mark comes back from way back, and I was actually, uh, you know, had plans of proposing to Meredith that day. That's what it was. And so, so Mark is like completely out of it, and then you next thing you know, he's in a playoff, and Meredith's like, "I want a camera. I want my family to be there." And I want my friends to be there. I was like, well, I might be able to make two of them happen. Like it's good timing. And she wouldn't, wasn't really expecting it. Um, so then Mark goes into a playoff and like her family's talking about leaving. Like her dad knew and Mark actually knew why he was playing in that event, you know, that I was going to propose to Meredith later that day. Um, and I was like, damn, Mark, like when Mark lost, it's like, he's gonna be pissed. Like this is going to make this not go well. And he was actually like in great, he was a good sport. He was, he was in a great mood, um, you know, and then he won the next year, which was cool because the last year we had it at Valley hack. Oh man. So I had beautiful. Yeah. I had it all worked out. Yeah. I hosted four, um, four of them while I was there. So it was fun. I loved seeing, you know, growing up in Virginia, having everyone be there, come to Roanoke, you know, no, you know, you know, knew so many people, you know, was roommates with like a couple of the people, you know, obviously brother-in-law won it the last year. Um, but just working in the golf industry in Virginia the whole time, you know, just having, you know, a lot of people that I crossed paths with, um, you know, it was, it was very, uh, very fun, very gratifying to host. Um, not upset that we're not having it anymore. It uh, would beat up the golf course pretty good, you know, middle of July. But, you know, definitely miss a lot of parts of it. You yeah. had a good run. Yeah. yeah. It was I, always in. I loved it there. I, I never complained. Yeah. Well, it was I always in. I loved it there. I always complained a lot, but I still loved it. Immaculate shape. You know, to be there in July and the summer heat and the, Fairways were still lush as can be. Greens were perfect. Uh, you did a hell of a job. In fact, I'll even go to say I I was exempt from the state open this year. Didn't play, and if it was a ballet hack, I probably would have played. I I love I love that place. I wouldn't be able to play there any other time. A little diss to Indi- to Indy there. Not a diss to Indy, but <laughs> not a diss to Indy. I like Indy, but I can go play Indy whenever. Right. It's public. Yeah. No, I, I gotta say to to Stephen's point earlier, like the more you play it, the more you appreciate it, the more you kind of know, hey, these sight lines are a little bit funky and you're not sure where to go. But I played in it three years there and it's it's one of my favorite courses in the in the US. I mean, just yeah. not only in the state, but just anywhere. It's so fun. Really, once you kind of just accept accept it, sort of what you were saying, Stephen, like yeah, you're going to get some shitty breaks and bounces or whatever, but man, to be able to use those huge slopes and hit it 40 feet right and almost have it go in the hole, like that's just fun to me, right? That's just, I, I love that kind of golf and and you've done an awesome job. So congrats on on everything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's before, before we go, I think it's safe to say that I'm the biggest 
hater of, of Valley Hack, at least on this podcast for the last few months. But I, I would say I love the golf course. That's two holes, eight and 15. If those holes didn't exist, I think it's a top 10 golf course in the country. Hey, you just hit driver on the green, Tom. That's not hard. Hey, I don't hit it 340 yards, Trey. And you have to hit a four iron in a 15 yard gap when the fairways are firm to not hit it in shit. So yeah, I don't love that hole. <laughs> the par five, we got to hit an iron off of. I'll, it'll yeah. never be right with me. Well, that's not Steven's fault. And we will be having Lester not George, fault. the course architect back Lester on soon. I will we, bitch at Lester about it. Yeah. I will <laughs> bitch Lester. at Lester. He's like, I'm just keeping it nice. I, I didn't put the dirt there. <laughs> exactly. Totally fair. I love the golf course. I just think that, yeah, whatever. You could take that up with Lester on a few. Well, yeah. well, and maybe one last thing real quick before we get like, just speaking about like they changed nine um, for, for anybody that's listening, that's played nine, the par five, it, it used to be another pretty bad par five. Um, the, but now the hump in the middle gone. Is the yeah, big I don't know. Just why, like, Stephen? You can speak it's to it Steven better than tell. I can, but uh, we shifted it right. You can hit. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. We shifted it right, so you have about twenty-five yards to land the ball, where it used to be basically nothing. Wait, so you can hit a driver on nine now? You yes. can. It's yeah. still kind of risky, but it's uh, it's a better than better driver shot. Than I, th- I think for that last year, you had the state open there. I was out there, and I think. It had been put in place in between the second to last year and the last year. Is that right? I think so. Yeah, because I because people were hitting driver and it would it is still like you said a little risky, but if you just run it up the left side of the fairway, it'll it'll funnel it'll down and yeah, yeah yeah. But then if you catch it downwind too, you can hit it over the bunker. It just it just gave you more options. The the longer players could hit it over, and it, it's a much better hole than it was whatever six seven years ago. Sounds like the boys need to go back to Valley Hack and play one more time. Let's go. Sticks okay. golf. Valley Hack edition. That's what it sounds like. Sounds like the boys need to go back. Come Director on. of Agronomy Revenge when the Sticks boys come. Oh, my Let's God. Do yeah. it. Do it to yeah. us. That'd be an incredible, incredible video. Oh, my God. Wait, wait. Have you ever done that at Valley Hack where you do, like, the, the Superintendent's Revenge? So we do um, – I inherited it, but uh, we call it Turkey Tough Day. It's, like, a week before Thanksgiving, and it's just <laughs> – it, so now we just make it tough. It used to be like all sorts of props, like to the point it was getting, you know, a little bit, a little bit much, but now it's just Bally hack, just raw and just difficult, you know, mid November, like might be, you know, 42 degrees in the morning with 20 mile an hour winds. Can we, can we make a tea time? <laughs> we'll, we'll, get, we'll get it set up. We'll <laughs> perfect. That'll be perfect. There's our video. There's our video. Awesome. Turkey tough day. Thank awesome. you, Steven. Perfect. That was great. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. It's been a pleasure to listen uh, lately. So keep it up. Thanks Steve. We'll do brother. Mm -hmm.